Hello, this is Simon from the Kaiser Chiefs. And I'm Ricky from the Kaiser Chiefs. And you'll be listening to... What was it called again? Q. What again? Presents. Pre- yeah. Can't the making of. Q presents the making of. Easy as that. Hi. Are we starting yet? We're not starting yet. No, you're not starting yet, but you can just... just going to do... Yeah, but we don't want to ruin it. Small talk is the best bit. It's the best bit, the... the I, but I've had... It's I've, being recorded. Like, the Are we being recorded now? Yeah, when I do radio, I always... I'm, I'm there, and they bring in a guest, and I always say, just bring him in right at the last minute, and they bring him in during a song, and I have this kind of weird <laughs> technique where I've got a pen, and I'm crossing things out on paper, not doing anything. I'm just making it look like... Just don't want yeah, to waste and your small talk. I've even tapped on a keyboard... Well, no, it's not there. <laughs> Nothing there. Fader, <laughs> yeah. Fader, yeah. I haven't got anything to tap on. I haven't, yeah. got, I haven't even brought but a pen with me. You have to find ways of like not talking to them because the first thing you say um, is like, it's the good stuff. Mm. Life and times of Kaiser Chiefs, that's the vibe. Good. We'll start with... Uh, do I have to look you in the eyes? No, I'm, uh, I don't know how I'm going to do it because I have to keep going like this. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just, if I, if you don't, definitely don't look me in the eyes. Okay. Yeah, I don't want it to get weird. You are listening, or about to listen, to Q Presents The Making Of. Hello, listener, and welcome to the latest instalment of Q Presents The Making Of. My name is Niall Doherty, and I'm the deputy editor of Q. Our guests this week are Ricky Wilson and Simon Ricks of the Kaiser Chiefs, one of the most successful British bands of the modern era. Propelled by big sing-alongs, thrilling live shows, and the odd knowing wink, the five-piece experienced huge success after emerging from their native Leeds in 2004. You know their songs, I Predict a Riot, Oh My God, Ruby, tracks that helped to define a golden era of British indie rock. Their seventh album, Duck, is a return to the sort of swashbuckling anthems that made them famous. We have Ricky and Simon here in our Camden studio to talk us through its creation, as well as guide us through the triumphant highs and medium-level lows they've navigated over a 15-year career. Ricky, Simon, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm well. I'm Ricky. I'm very good, yeah. I like the ambition of hello, listener. I thought that too. Hello, listener. Singular. <laughs> there's more. There's I'm three of us here. Out. I'm, re- I'm reaching out. <laughs> yeah, I could see you two had switched off already. I know, they say that, I know they say that you've always got to imagine you're playing to one person. Sometimes that's I a good often thing. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine them naked. That helps. What's your, what's your go-to? You just say, it's easy for bands because they I just imagine, say in the town. I imagine they? them with more clothes on than they're wearing. What's your what's your first thing you say when you come on stage? Uh, it totally depends, because um, I like it when we start off with music, as in like usually I like it because at the moment we're starting with a new song. People now to love one of the new album, right? So I don't want to talk before that. I like it when we start off with a drum beat or some kind of groove, so I can just pedal some twaddle over the top of that. Hey. Just to make sure it's working. Yeah, yeah. But is there but, any level that you reach in terms of being a successful musician where you stop worrying that the mic's working when you walk on stage? Uh, well, no. Actually, that's true. I always go, just before. So if you hear that, it's because I don't have faith in my crew. <laughs> <laughs> and then tell me how you're feeling right now. With, like, how, how does it feel just before you're about to release a record? Ooh, how do you feel, Sam? Do you feel eight months pregnant? Yeah, kind of. I feel, it feels a little bit like, because we finished it, it felt like we finished it and then it was going to come out really soon, but then actually now it feels like it's been a while. Mm. And it's sort of, uh, 
we're going to do the talk about it. And it feels like quite a long time ago since we finished it. So it's nice to re, it's almost like going back in time already. This we do a lot every, every day is a new day. It's lots happening. There's starting to be a good point in it, which you pointed out, which I hadn't thought about until you mentioned it, which was the fact that now it's getting to the point where people are talking to us that have heard it. Mm. So then they say things like, ah, oh, I like this song when you talk about this and it means that. And so you can noddingly, noddingly? Knowingly nod or noddingly know <laughs> and say, uh, yep, you're entirely right. That's exactly what I was going for when I wrote that, uh, even though you're kind of learning about it through other people's eyes now, which is a good thing. And does it happen where there's stuff you think is ultra hidden and someone easily just says that's about that? No. They'll never find that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing really to hide on this record, bringing it back to the record. Um, it's, it's kind of all on the, on the page, in the music, out there. You did some Easter eggs in the uh, artwork, though, that aren't obvious. Mm. Some of them are so unobvious that I had to uh, go back into my notes to check that they existed. <laughs> Hello. Hello. You... No one's ever... Hi... A lady just came in and hired the microphone for me. No Producer one's... Sue. Producer <laughs> Sue just came in and hired the microphone for me. No one's ever hired a microphone for me. It's, all... it's really <laughs> embarrassing when you're doing a TV show <laughs> and someone comes in and makes it lower. To that say, happened? you're a bit too short for this. It mic. depends who's been singing before. You looked so uncomfortable and you're kind of like hunching over that and I was like, this is not good because you're, you're, you keep... Well, I, no, the thing is, some people have... Are you more comfortable now? I'm, I was more comfortable before, to be honest. Were you? No, no I, you're more alert though now. Oh, right, okay. Do you want... Can we go somewhere in between? She's keeping you on your toes. Are you going to try and make it all Liam Gallagher? Really high? <laughs> sit down, Liam. Did you hear <laughs> <me>? <laughs> sit down, Sit down, Liam, the new album. Um, no, yeah. that, that was interesting uh, at Wembley. We played at Wembley with The Who and Eddie Vedder on Saturday. Who I, I know that you apparently like Eddie Vedder. Yes, yes. And uh, he We didn't have the Eddie Vedder stories already. He I sat down. The whole gig sat down. That is, that's disappointing. He's copying mm. George Ezra. Oh, yeah. He has we, been doing all his career. Well, before, just before you first emerged, there was a little brief wave of stool rock. Wor worked for Kurt Cobain briefly. Yeah. One show. <laughs> But do you remember flip. before, like you came out and there was a whole load of exciting guitar bands. Yeah. Before that, there was a bunch of. It became acceptable. Oh, you're thinking cheering like breaks. cheering. Yeah, that's the one that was in my head. To extent, there was like there was a lot of really big indie that was kind of laid back. Gomez. Yeah. Kind of like laid back indie. Well, I care about it. I don't care about it that much to stand up. Yeah, I don't know. I think I should get like a stool costume so I can still stand up, but it's a bit like Bernie Clifton's ostrich. <laughs> so it's kind well, of a stool dress <laughs> that I can like have with little false legs over the front. This is the stool section. Yeah, but I can still stand up because I wouldn't feel what were you What were you doing at the point at which those bands were were, um, were big? Was that, was that we the were, time of pre-Kaiser's band? Was pre, we were confused, I think. Yeah, it was... The thing is, it was pre... I think the strokes changed everything. Mm -hmm. And... There what there's very few bands since Oasis that have had that kind of impact. Strokes, Libertines, Acting Monkeys, um, to an extent. But um the Strokes changed everything. They made it they made a record that was about thirty minutes long and we just listened to constantly. Just before the Strokes, everyone had a DJ or sat down. Right. Or a laptop. Mm, yeah. Loads of bands suddenly had a laptop. What did your music sound like? Oh, it was part new rock revolution, part 
Dunno, it's like quite chilled, screamy. Chilled. Yeah, there was like it was up very rocky or very mellow. Mm. Have you not heard Twenty Two by Parva? Uh, of course I have. I I'll saw. Get, I I'll did see Parva at the Scala. Did you? Uh, uh, we, we were playing with uh, Rock of Travolta. Oh uh, yeah, Rock of Travolta playing. Yeah, six by yeah. seven. Yeah, six by seven. The uh, mantra. Not that I was there to see six party. by seven and not Parva. But uh, what was the point? What was the trans like transformation for you? Was there a point at which you went, "That isn't Parva"? Yeah, uh, well, we we did a f- like. It's weird because we we sort of realised because we were signed and then we weren't signed anymore and then we flogged it around a bit trying to get re-signed realised it wasn't going to happen and we did a f- we had a gig booked and we suddenly decided that's the final gig of Parva at the f- uh, cockpit middle room right yeah and we played Eye of the Tiger last I think yeah we did and we just like that's the end and the next day we were at rehearsal uh, and we were like right let's write some more new songs and it seemed weird I remember was sort of debating like a lot of bands changed name <clears throat> But kept songs. It was just a rebranding. Yeah. But we were like completely right. That's the, that's over with. We could. It was just, a clean slate. Yeah. And did you talk about what you wanted this clean slate to be, or did you oh, just weirdly, weirdly, it's kind of like we erased a couple of years to be, years of being confused. It was like a breakup with someone you shouldn't have been going out with because we went. We actually went back to what we were when we first met. And we started being a bit more kind of like inspired by where we used to go dancing. And then we we stopped going dancing. We started being in a band. And then we kind of went back to the kind of like thinking about those clubs where we first met, listening to Motown music and like the hi-fi. And there's a club called Moving Up that we really liked. And we started thinking about that again and how it, we wanted to get the audience involved rather than just screaming at them. I think it sounds really corny, like made up, but it was true. I think we decided, like, we'd fi- finished that band, and it felt a bit like, right, we might not, m- we might not ever be succe- a successful band, but we still want to be in a band together. So let's just make music that we really like. That we, you know is gonna maybe get some people to come see us in Leeds, and then just see what happens, kind of thing. You know, it was, a, it was I think, a little bit right at the f- start. The first few rehearsals was quite. For me, anyway, like low ambition of just like want to be in a band because that's it's right. fun to be in a band with my friends, you know. Was there ever a point that you thought, oh, that moment has passed us by? That's yeah, well, that, that, that was the moment when Parva finished. It was like, okay, well, maybe that was our, our bit. We've been, we got signed, we had, a, we had a go. Maybe that was it, you know. But then very quickly, we wrote some songs. Like we wrote, oh my god, modern way, and born to be a dancer. Less is more. Less is more. Which um, is a song. Uh, uh, Hail to the chief. I think we got. Which is Caroline, yes. Yeah. We got pretty confident that we were onto something. And as soon as we had seven, we did a gig. Because that's what you did. I mean, that's a really strong run of songs. Yeah, it was amazing. Where did they come from? I don't know. It just happened. I think it was because there was no pressure. It was just, let's write some songs. And I think also we'd been through the mill a bit and it informed what we were writing about because it was, we were a bit more reflective and not... I don't want to say it, but not so desperate, you know, to keep or get a record deal. It was more about let's just let's play jazz as well, yeah. supporting someone. I always try think and get the audience to sing along. Kaisers sound best when they've got a point to prove. That is true, but we've always got a point to prove because we always think we're the underdog, even yeah. when we're even, even when we're collecting three Brits, we were pissed off we didn't get five. 
even at that point where I say we want to do it for ourselves, we started to prove all the people in Leeds because we. I, I always think this is funny. It's like we'd got this record deal, and honestly, we were being cocks. I walk around like, hey, we've got a record deal. You haven't. We when, have, Kai, we. when you got the record deal, was Kaiser uh, Chiefs? No, right. We were idiots, <laughs> and then like nine months later, we were back working behind the bar at these at the venues and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It was a bit. It was a come down. That's a huge come down. And so I think we started the thing to prove, which was like we still wanted to be the best bands in, even if it's just in Leeds. You know, we still had a bit of bit to prove. Because uh, and so I, I always think it's funny when we got our record deal as Kaiser Chiefs. There was no fanfare or anything. It was just part of it. It was just a thing. We did a gig, got signed, put the record. The record was in on I don't know MTV or we were single a week. Everything was just a stepping stone. There was no like celebrating or being since, since the Kaiser Chiefs. I don't think we've ever had. Oh, we did meet up in the pub after we Education War went to number one. I don't think we've ever had a party. Well, even that one was a little bit of an under thing because we'd done some. We'd done the voice night before, and everyone had got drunk. So we just arrived, and everyone was hungover, and just went home. <laughs> yeah. But even <laughs> you're basically rubbish at celebrating. Well, no, one, no, 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 because it's, it's, it's to do with you. You don't. I mean, there's. It, yeah. What's the, the celebrating? Kind of implies the end of something, but whenever something good happens, it just it's a really good stepping stone to something else. So we just kept moving on, and I think that that's what we've always been like and and it's really great that I mean I think I've said this to you before Simon about our graph of success is up and down like a I'm trying to think it's like a sound wave but most bands it's just like a slope yeah and we didn't really we've never really had that slope we've just had ups and downs and we keep messing up but every time we mess up, it just informs the next thing. And we have, we have really great things happen. We don't notice them because we're just thinking about all the crap times. <laughs> but that's good because it means that we're... I mean, we've got a lot of negative people in the band. Uh, Who's the most negative? Well, it depends on the day, but I'd say... It depends because I think White is the most positive and the most negative. Yeah. Because it depends on what... He sent a text today saying that's the best sentence he's heard all year. Yeah, in a in email. Yeah, email, not text, and and that was like really positive. But then he will also be like, you know, we've sold out an arena tour, and one of them's only eighty percent. And he's like, do they hate us in wherever? <laughs> What's wrong? Did you say something in an interview, Ricky, about <laughs> about Nottingham? I'm like, no, I didn't. Just because it's you know, I don't know. On that first record, was there a point at which, I mean, from the outside? it looked like it happened really quick for you. It felt like one of those meteoric, sort of really explosive breakouts. Yeah. How did it feel being inside it? It was just really hard, because we were working every day. And also, when we got to number one, we were in America. And we were always somewhere else when something good was happening where it was happening, so we didn't really notice. And um, it wasn't until like, I, went, I went to a bakery, and I was wearing a hat, because I thought, Oh, someone said we're pretty famous, so I'll wear a hat. And it was a hat that was meant for peanut, you know, but it was given for free. And I was wearing it in a bakery thinking, this is a good disguise. And someone said, who do you think you are? You look like you're trying to be a Kaiser Chief. And I was like, wow, Kaiser Chiefs must be successful if I look like I'm trying to be one. <laughs> and I am one. How, so, does, how, does that, how did that affect you? I, I mean, that I automatically know. means you're famous, right? You're only as famous as you want to be, really. So you can not be famous even when you are. This is a man who's thought about fame a lot. 
of the past I do think years. I do think about it quite a lot because it's a weird thing because being famous and you look at Love Island or something like that and you watch TV and you look at people being famous and you go, oh, they're famous for a bit. And then there's a weird grey area right in the middle of people's desire to be famous and also their craving not to be at the same time. And somewhere in the grey area and that is where people really mess their lives up because they don't know what they want. But you can dip in and out. And it's as simple as wearing ripped jeans on the tube because no one rep- recognises the man in ripped jeans. <laughs> if you wear a hat and sunglasses, you look like George Michael, which makes you look more famous. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. When, did you, when did you start to make sense of it? That uh, you, you wanted to step away from it or... Because, you know, for the first few records, it really felt like you looked like you loved being a famous frontman. Well, we all enjoyed the fact that everything was going okay. And for a bit, it was like, this is, this is a lot of fun. And it winds people up when you look like you're having fun. <laughs> when, you know, especially when you turn up at the Q Awards and you, you, you're, you're enjoying yourself. You're not supposed to enjoy yourself at awards ceremony. You're supposed to look like you don't want to be there. But our philosophy was, if you don't want to be there, just don't be there. And we were dead excited because we were around loads of famous people. Yeah. You know, it's good. What was the headspace to band when you came to, like, you've had those first two records and it's gone excellently, and then the third record? What was it like then? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I can't remember. The third record is strange one, I think, really. Um because I think we were just, for us, we were just continuing. So we did a bit of songwriting in Leeds, like we always used to. And I think Nick and Ricky had moved to London by then, maybe. So it was slightly was different. Transit. I think I was half Tran- transitioning. Yeah. And we got Mark. We, we we hired obviously Mark Ronson to do the record. Who was you know doing his own records and being a name and going to parties. So there, it was a bit more like we did it in London and we wrote a bit of music in the in the studio. And there was a lot more going out to like. Uh, not parties, but going out to places during making the record, I think. Because the, like, the second one, we were just in the middle of the countryside on our own. Mm. And the first one, we were just doing it in between gigs, basically. But even then, the songs were a lot more famous than we were, because I remember making the third record, and there was a thing in the paper about Mark Ronson helping oh. Lily Allen move into a new house and uh, not, lift, not, <clears throat> not lifting a finger to help the removal men. And the photograph was me and Nick stood next to Lily Allen and Mark Ronson. Right. So me and Nick were the outside, rack, right? outside Rack Studios. <laughs> we were apparently the removal men, right? <laughs> helping Lily Allen move into a house. So we're like, well, it's not true, but like we've got a picture. Who are these two guys? I don't know. Say the removal men. It was fine, you know. We'd... I mean, when did it start feeling a bit fractious? Because now you've got your seven albums in. You say um, you were talking about the career of Kaiser Chiefs going up and down. Yeah. The way I look at it, there's a dip. Yeah. But it's still a dip where your album's still going like top 10. It's like a yeah, medium yeah. dip. And then now, since, you know, the past three albums, you're back playing arenas again. Yeah, um, I don't know. I suppose, uh, what's it called? Off the Reds, third album. Nick, we had a hit with Nemesis Beat. Good Days, Bad Days wasn't as popular. And then they didn't release anything else. Is that right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. But I think... But there was a big drop off in you know there's a bit of a a backlash that I feel like in hindsight we were didn't really get much backlash for Kaiser Chiefs and like I think all our albums are the right album for the time you've got I think you've got to think that yeah so like the fourth album even though 
some some ways I think you know we did things weirdly like we did it you know didn't tell anyone we were going to release 20 songs on one day and you had to pick your own album and you had to you could sell it to your friend and make a pound <laughs> I don't know all sorts of stuff <laughs> <laughs> it was what it was you know an interesting idea but I think if we'd just done a rec you know uh, what year was that 2011 right yeah if we'd have just stuck out a Kaiser Chiefs album standard 11 songs and it had been those songs it would have just got buried because no one was interested is that because you'd become a big mainstream band? Uh, I think it's because apart from, I mean, like, no one was interested in British indie at that moment in time, really. But also, I don't think, and I, I mean, I don't know if he'll listen, but if Nick listens to this, I don't think he'll disagree. I hope he wouldn't. But I don't think he was that interested to make another Kaiser Chiefs record at that point. And I think it needed the idea in order to make him interested in making a record, doing something differently. Because to an extent, I think he thought that it was a little bit broken and we couldn't just plow on making a traditional album and expect people to be interested so we had to do something different and I think it well I know actually that it gave him a little bit of uh, excitement and it meant that he could do a lot more himself and because he had a studio at that point and it was it was really it was really quite good fun making it because it also gave me something to do because I'd go and do the meetings about the like the way it was released. Yeah, and it was it was quite a fun fun record to make. It took a long time because of a lot of songs, and it's it's just a weird moment. But as Simon said, exactly the right thing to do because it got us here. Whereas maybe if we'd done another album, it would have just been the end of it. Yeah, and obviously long, not long after that, Nick left. <laughs> so I'm sure yeah, it kept his interest a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it w- was that the, that nice really that <laughs> really seems like the the pivotal moment in terms of phase one of the Kaiser Chiefs yeah. and phase two. Mm-hmm. Well, it, well, it was. What? I mean, it was amazing for us, especially me and Simon, because it like it's it suddenly like gives you more appreciation of the job you have. As soon as it gets, as soon as there's a threat of anything being taken away, you want it back. It's like you, you're a kid and you like they've got toys, and as soon as you pick one out of the box and play with it yourself, they start like going, "I want that one." Yeah. Whereas they haven't shown interest in ages, and I think that was like us, me and Kazan with the Kaiser Chiefs, and we had to like suddenly realise what kind of pressure Nick had been under all the time, where we were kind of like just kind of enjoying the ride, and he was taking he was taking a lot of the brunt of dealing with labels and sorting shit out that we didn't have to deal with and then suddenly we have to start dealing with it and it's like oh all right i think it's like you know i said earlier on about after parva we all wanted to be in the band but we didn't see what happened if you know what i mean i think that moment when nick left was another moment where actually he was like i want let's split up that's that this is the end of it you know and we all were like actually no we don't want to stop because like we actually we're enjoying it so if you want to leave that's fine obviously but we're going to try and you know mend it make it better was it a tense meeting it was Um, a lot of meetings it was a couple yeah i think i had a chat with him and he sort of just ignored me and then you had a chat with him and he was like oh it is actually maybe i mean i don't want to get too far into it but he was a bit i mean he was obviously i think a bit surprised or upset or whatever that we would continue without him you know because i think it would be a project for all of us for a long time mm. but um we just felt i still feel like it was the right move that we just 
to stop at that point. I don't know. I didn't want to do anything else. I wanted to be in Kazuchi, so I wanted to make it successful. So, yeah. And it was a good spurred us on. I think, again, if Nick hadn't left, maybe the fifth record wouldn't be as it was. Maybe it wouldn't have been number one. Maybe, you know, it would have been... Maybe he left, so it wouldn't have happened. A different yeah, story. It would have been, you know, it was... We wouldn't have... I think it was, it was good having something... It's good sometimes having something taken away from you. Hello, this is uh, Ricky from the Kaiser Chiefs. Uh, you're listening to Q Presents The Making Of. In terms of how that period reflects on Duck, mm. what are the main things you learnt about yourselves from that, from that point? Well, we had to start again, and we didn't know how to do it without Nick. So we did the only thing we could do, which was try and be as Kaiser Chiefs as possible. And I think we were quite successful on education, education, education and war. I think we went f- probably far too far down the route of concept album uh getting so i got so wound up in the lyrics i wasn't as involved in all i was even when we were writing loads of songs i was thinking i want that on the record because it's got these lyrics rather than it makes a good record right um so there's lots of things we learned personally individually as members of a band which and then, you know, we, so we made, even though it was very successful, we made some, some mistakes on that. I think it's a great record. Made some success, mistakes on the last one. And I think this new one, our third record, as the Kaiser Chiefs Part 2, is, a, you know, the, in two years' time, we'll probably say we made some mistakes again. But at the moment, I think this is the, I think we've done the right thing at the right time. And it feels good. And we all feel like we really want to sell it which doesn't happen that often in Kaiser Chiefs because we make it and we want to move on. But we all... I mean, pride's a weird thing because you shouldn't... I mean, you know, it comes before a fall, but we're all very proud of it. I'm a record collection A dedicated section I'm a memory of everything You've ever seen and ever done I'm a subtle seduction I'm the god in light and cleaned up heightened reenactment of your day I'm a hidden agenda, hidden in the credenza In the darkest corner of the room, inside the room, inside your head uh-huh. And it's coming across in the way that we're pushing ourselves Because we're going back to work And everyone's got their work boots on and ready for it Was it hard, was it hard to make? Yeah, yeah, it was really hard. It should be. Um, the, I mean, it's embarrassing to say that it was so hard and so long to make 41 minutes of noise because it's just pathetic that it takes five men two years <laughs> to make a noise for 41 minutes. But it's really boiled down from a lot of um, pressure and ideas and what we should be doing. And... But there does come a point where everything starts clicking into place and it starts becoming... The, I mean, even like a year and a half ago, we thought we had a record. Mm-hmm. And we had a, you know, a deal happening because they'd heard some stuff, you know, with a major label that we we're going back to. And we were excited and we were going, this is really good because they, you know, they want to make a record with us because they think that we can make something that they can sell and make a profit from. And then we thought we'd finished. But then... We pushed it further and we pushed it further and we pushed it further until it is what it is now. And it's now, it got simpler and simpler as it went on. It became less complicated and it kind of like, 
don't want to use too many metaphors, but everything cleared up in our heads and we kind of saw where it was going and it ended up there. Who calls the shots in the studio? It's funny because I was going to say, I think one of the things about uh, Kaz Chiefs is one of the reasons we're able to keep going for now 16, 15, 16 years is, uh, well, nowadays anyway, it's a democracy and everyone's got a voice, everyone's equal basically. But it makes making a record impossible because everyone's got a different opinion. So it, one of the reasons it takes so long is because you do something and, ev- and like it's some people's favourite song, some people's least favourite or whatever. And I remember when we first... <clears throat> this record was one of the first ones where we've been like A&R'd a bit where someone's gone like, no, that's not good enough. Right. Do try something else, you know? And the first time I talked to the a- A&R guy, he was a bit like, right, who do I talk to? Shall I talk to you? Shall I talk to Ricky? I was like, well, it depends what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> so, because, as I say, I mean... I think me and Ricky are sort of often spokesmen or whatever, but everyone's opinion counts. And I think sometimes people think like, oh, well, don't worry about Whitey's opinion. You know, from the outside, they're like, well, why are you worried about that? And it's like, well, because he's important. And if he's not happy, then it's going to like two months down the line, we're not going to be able to play that song because he doesn't like it or whatever, you right. know? Who's, run, who's running HR? Uh, me, uh, you. I'm in charge of admin. Yeah. Rock admin. That's my speciality, if you've got any. Talk me through the compartmentalising <laughs> of Kaiser Chiefs. I'm intrigued. Well, I think that on this album, actually, Whitey was a big creative force musically. He's, I think he did the most music songwriting. Um, Ricky obviously does lyrics and uh, front manning. Front, like, when it's live, when we're on stage, uh, Ricky's in charge, you know what I mean? We've got to follow what he's doing because he's, like, if we sort of yeah. go off on a tangent, he's sort of hanging him out to dry but then I will write the set list so to some extent you're hanging him out to dry yeah or whatever uh, it's it, it's just such a moving thing it, it, it's always always changing but I like that because you can always slink into the background if you need to and it's really important to be able to take a day off which is why I, it's like I said before and you know I don't want to big him up too much, but Nick used to have to take all of the brunt of it, and now we share it, which is a lot healthier, I suppose. And it's why that even if this all goes tits up, we'll still want to do something else because the alternative is worse. Do you still live with the fear that it could go tits up? <laughs> well, not. I mean, technical term then. I mean, it can't. <laughs> it can't really. I mean, and I mean, you know, it. it if if it, if this album. It's already a success in many ways because we've delivered it. I'm just happy and people are talking about it. And for the first time in a long time, there seem to be other people more excited about it than we are. <laughs> you know, we've got a label that play it in their offices and they're pumped about it. Yeah, it's, it's very old school. Yeah, yeah, it feels it feels like it's, there's still some semblance of what the music industry used to be in the release of this record because they seem to have a plan. I, think, I think, like the fact that even with the first thing that people heard was a song called Record Collection. We didn't, as a band, we always thought of it as a, we must put this in the record because it's a really great bit of a moment, a great track seven or something, where it's like, this is, you know, flexing our limbs a bit, going, this is something we can settle into. It's got a groove, it's lyrically complicated. Let's just enjoy ourselves on this. And we did. But then it was the first thing they were going to put out. We were a bit confused. It's not very singly. 
Well, it's not a single, it's, it's, it's a teaser. Why are you teasing? What, teasing with a single? <laughs> teasing with something that's got a chorus. I don't know what the chorus is in Record Collection, but we like it, but it's... But they were really hyped about it. And suddenly we were like going, hey, let's just take our... You know that being Fight Club where he takes his hands off the wheel and puts yeah. the, the accelerator down and goes, let's see what happens. It felt a bit like that. It felt a bit like, oh, let's... We've got a major label. And that's, really that scene liked. ends with the car crashing, though. <laughs> it's one of the greatest films ever. <laughs> going, going back to when you two first met, what were your first impressions of each other? Oh, uh, Bluey over there. I don't know why. We all had to have nicknames. I was Richard Monkey Face. What was it? Richard Monkey Face Long Knockerhead. Simon York's <laughs> pregnant mum. Right, okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, no, fu- you were called Bluey because someone spilled some blue paint on you. I, I, I spilled it on myself. Oh. <laughs> I was painting pork cabins blue. And you spilled some blue paint down <laughs> you, and then you called Bluey. That's very, that's proper like, 80s, isn't it? Mm, you do it one is. thing at school. <laughs> I, uh, one thing, and you called it forever. But you know, like, I think it's interesting that, so me and Nick were in a band at Sixth Form College, and not a not very good one, and then Nick's friend Dan knew Ricky, so then we saw Ricky. Nick was driving or something, we saw Ricky, said hello to him, whatever, and then he came and auditioned. At my mum and dad's house. How did, um, you, how did you audition? Did we play or something rubbish? Uh, it was you, Nick, and a guy from the chip shop. Oh yeah, Stephen Smith. And we we had a, we played an original number called "Don't Run to Me," and uh, and it was quite good. But then I uh, then it, I went to uni. So then, like, we <coughs> did the rehearsal, and Ricky passed the audition. And then I wasn't in the band for five years. <laughs> <laughs> Neither was the guy from the chip shop for that matter. So yeah, it was just me and Nick for a while, and then Whitey met at a, a dance club, and uh, what was it like the late nineteen forties? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he had a music hall. Yeah, he, he had an orchestra, the Andrew White Orchestra. <laughs> no, we didn't believe he played guitar, and so Nick brought a guitar, and they said, "No, I'm left-handed," and we didn't believe him. But and I honestly think. He couldn't play guitar, and he's been left-handed ever since because he lied that once, because that would be so him. He also he said so he had a van. He said, I can play guitar like John Squire, and I've got a van. But he didn't pass his driving test till like, I don't know, 2004. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. He doesn't have a van. Well, he does have a van yeah, now. got one now, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it kind of just, it just evolved. I mean, it was quite good. It was small town stuff. Many so, keyboard players. It's quite a spinal tap. Yeah, loads of keyboard players. We had this one keyboard player that set up and uh, with his keyboards against the wall in the corner. So we're all, you know, when you rehearse, you all stand around looking at each other. But he was just looking at the wall. So we'd be playing and we'd be like, what's he playing? (laughs) (laughs) He's not looking at us. We finished. (laughs) (laughs) He's improvising. Yeah, he just kept going. He's going on a feeling. Um, And now we've got peanut. We've got peanut now. I play keyboards in Runston Park for one, yeah, one he, gig. He did a gig in Runston Park. Everyone's been the keyboard player, and you probably have. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a go. <laughs> what, what's the biggest no-no in Kaiser Chiefs? Mm. I think like if you've done in, some quite out there stuff. If you're in your bunk, that's it. Especially Ricky. No, uh, you know, like you people on tour and they're doing pranks. Yeah. Oh no, we're not pranky. You know, like I think it's another it reason this. why we're still together. When we first started, I think we were watching TV. And we all bonded about the fact that we were watching, what was it called? Dirty Sanchez or something like that. Or one of those, what was the, mm. the, the American version of that? Jackass. Uh, Jackass. Jackass. We're watching that. Jackass. We're all watching it going, 
I hate these people. <laughs> I don't want to be friends with anyone like that. And we all agreed that that is not the life we want to live. So we're very respectful of each other when it comes to things like pranking. We've done funny things once, I remember. Mm. But nothing, nothing that would, like, nothing that would get you dirty. <laughs> <laughs> not nothing, no, like, shaving of any part. But sometimes we do a prank on, like, Peanut, and then instantly regret it. I remember once he had a big key ring full of keys. Loads of keys. I don't know where they, I mean, how has he got that many houses? And the, I took all the keys off and put them in a row. And I went into the room and said, hey, Peanut, can you come in and sort your keys out? Thinking keyboards. And these keys were all everywhere. And that was it. That's as far as the pranks go. That's fairly like funny. It. I like it. Yeah. I mean, we, we do prank Peanut more than anyone, but that's... He brings it on himself, doesn't he? Well, when BJ joined, tried to sort of prank him, but he just wasn't having any of it. Yeah. <laughs> when you're a bit old for pranking by that point. No, you're never too old for a prank. <laughs> what was the other one we were going to do? No, sometimes we'd feel too guilty about it. Even before we done it, we discussed them and laugh about the prank, but never do it. But no, we're, we're very clean. We're a very clean band. Have you got involved in many beefs with other bands over the years? Uh... We're very insular. felt like that was a really mid noughties thing. No, yeah. not really. We tried not to do it because then you'd see him at a festival and they'd be nice. Yeah. Like, even though, like everyone was like kind of Johnny Burrell seemed to be a little bit of a you could anyone could have a go at him. But then we were then we'd be on, on tour with him and be like, oh, hiya. <laughs> <laughs> but also, we don't, we've got we're quite closed. Even at festivals, we do close the door. And we find it weird when people come and say hello. Someone this is Kaiser Chiefs time. Yeah, yeah, but they come in and say, hey, how you doing? And we look at them and go, they're being weird. We're spending our 14 hours a day together. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, it's a little bit like, you know, in Jurassic Park, when, you know, T-Rex and you go, if you don't move, they might not see you. And we're a bit like that with other bands. Don't move. Uh, <laughs> and we're still there, but they can see us. But we think they can't see us if we stay still. <laughs> that's why we don't really collaborate with anyone because we don't really talk to anyone that much we once Jack White once came into the dressing room and said hey how you doing guys and jokingly I think Nick said have you got any we didn't have the name for the third album have you got any spare album titles and he went ha ha good one then we went on stage we came off and he'd left uh, a list of three names on the, really on the coffee table one which one of which was uh, Misery Company which we called a, a song on our on Education and War. Don't say that out loud. He might come calling for credits. Ah, he can come if he wants because the, the publicity alone would would, <laughs> would would equal or better the, um, the the suing. What is there as a band you want to get round to that you haven't had the chance yet? Hmm. Oh, there's, well, uh, lots of things. like Winning Grammys? <laughs> <laughs> never won an Oscar. Uh, I don't know. It'd be nice to win an award again. Mm-hmm. People always say when they're winning awards that it's not about the awards. But then they stop winning them. And then they think... Oh, Did you say it when you got the brick? No, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I loved it. I, I made a clay mould of mine and made more. <laughs> no, um, no, I'd love to win a big award again. You know, one of the big ones. Just to, like, seal the deal. Also, like, I don't know what a hit record is anymore. Someone asked me this in an interview yesterday, and they were confused. They Because I was going, well, just get played on the radio, and then it means we can tour... And then we play tours in front of thousands of people and are all singing the words. But what is a hit record? Because it, it's different now. The charts are different. Everything's changed, so yeah. I don't know what it is. So how do you measure success um, now? By the amount of people singing it back to you, I suppose. And they're still doing that, which is a success. But it's kind of cool because we could have gone down the route of playing to the converted 
preaching to the converted and we didn't you know it's it would be very easy to be in one of those bands that keeps going keeps going and keeps doing anniversary tours of their you know second album it's been eight years since whatever came out yeah and I don't diss that at all because it's kind of fun and I've been to a few and I'll be going to one in September but and I enjoy them but we've never had the urge to do that because we don't really we prefer it's like we prefer festivals because we like trying to win people you know doesn't mean we don't appreciate uh, I hate using the word fans I think it's derogatory our um, customers um, <laughs> uh, no, but you know what I mean I like I like I don't I, I appreciate them but I'd like to find some new ones I sound a little bit like that Jesus thing don't I <laughs> preaching to the like hey you know why why do you bother with these people when we follow you <laughs> It's because, you know, they need teaching about the ways of the Kaiser Chiefs. <laughs> it's not so grandiose as that, but it's like, it's 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 kind of more fun um, trapping more people. Thank you for coming into our podcast. Is that it? I'm going to finish Almost. on that horrible note. Almost. We're going we're <laughs> to finish on something a bit. Do you remember Smash Hits magazine? Mm. No, I'm too young. Um, I didn't know if you were too old. <laughs> no, um, they used to have a biscuit tin of questions. Uh, yeah, they did. Uh, they did. We are, are these still, reinventing are these, the but biscuit tin. are they tin. from Smash Hits, these questions? Some, some from Smash Hits. Good. And some topped up. Cool. With a bit of Q mustard. Oh, I like so you can it. go one, one each. All right. One each, is that it? No, one each to start. All right. Bross used to get more than this. <laughs> All right, I've got one. Simon, you want, I'll, I'll go, go to first. Simon first. I don't, want, I don't want him to give a chance to think about it. Oh, are you asking me? Oh, that's a, that's a, you could you could do that. Are you scared of going bald? Um, yes, terrified, but I've got enough money to sort that out. <laughs> Have you ever sorted out? No, 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 no. Um, I'm scared of going. Bald. I, I just, I'm, I know, I'm joking, of course. I mean, uh, you know, I've been tempted on occasion to snatch a few people's wigs off the reds at festivals, but I'm not gonna. Um, I I just shave it off whip it off buy a hat well, if you I'm going to go bald like mine. I'm going to go bald eventually not necessarily no I'm not going to keep this luscious lock forever <laughs> am I you know, your dad's doing alright isn't he yeah it's, only, it's your grandfather oh, on your mother's yeah. side isn't it and he was bald as an eight ball oh he had an eight up on his head <laughs> um, no uh, I'm not scared of it I'm, I'm more scared of uh... no I'm not scared you can. Uh, I always ask the hairdresser when I'm going bald, and they always say no, but I think it's their job, isn't it? It's all to do with uh, testosterone and you're not using. Am I not using enough testosterone or using too much? If you've got left over, it changes format, yeah. chemical-wise. And sucks and your it hair It starts in. destroying, the, it starts closing the uh, the things. Oh, right. Oh, someone's so you someone's need to been lost down a Google wormhole back l- then. Lower the testosterone levels. That's what you got to do. I've got very low testosterone levels. Well, you're going to be all right then. Yeah. That's why I'm uh, such a sensitive guy. Guy. Here, Simon. Step into the biscuit jiffy envelope. Ah, if you had a superpower, what would it be? Oh, good one. Um, well, teleportation is the best. Mm. Definitely. Is that it? That's, That's it. it. Yeah, <laughs> no, if you could think about a place and be there, that'd be great. Oh, but Wouldn't that could... affect sort of band dynamics if you were on the tour bus and... So well, no, because we'd make him set up. <laughs> It'd be worse for him. We'd be like going, what is it like? Oh, the toilets are terrible, guys. <laughs> Don't come. Don't come. <laughs> uh, teleportation, imagine what you could do. I mean, it's, it's, 
it's, would you or get bored quite time quickly? travel though or to, and teleportation is it is it one and the same I think I don't think you can have both no because I mean I watched a film the other day it was rubbish Captain Marvel have you seen it yep. she could do too much it became as if well, there's nothing that can stop her she can do too much Give her, take a few of them away <laughs> she was too powerful she could just turn up and sort everything out did you relate to that you were... <laughs> no not at all I, I, I wouldn't want a superpower too much you know with great power you know <laughs> something else he's desperate for another question yeah he is I love questions he's kind of uh, if you found Aladdin spelt wrong, lamp, uh, what would you wish for? I'd wish they hadn't made a live action version. <laughs> I ain't seen it, I'm not gonna. So, I just think, when the, you know, there's famously lots of uh, unused audio footage of Robin Williams. Yeah. Because he ad libbed a lot of it. Why didn't they use. I'm, no, I'm not disrespecting Will Smith, he's a very talented man. Why didn't they use all of that unused stuff plus some stuff from the original movie and have a CGI Robin Williams in the live action version that's a very good idea next time eh then there's not going to be a next time for another 20 years and by that time I won't be interested I'll have a kids by then but they'll be but you're not into the whole live action remakes uh, well I think I think on. it's just a glut of them <clears throat> Mulan's coming Lion King looks alright I quite like uh, the new Ariel. I've seen her announced. I think she's good. She's quite charismatic. Have you heard many Kaiser's remakes over the years? Uh, no. We're not there yet. I have covers bands. Our sound engineer once walked past a, a pub and there was a Kaiser Chiefs covers band playing that night and he went in and said, do you want me to do the sound? And he did the sound for him. Wow. Yeah. The singer doesn't like getting off stage though, so the guitarist does that. <laughs> he jumps in the crowd. <laughs> yeah. So it's not entirely true. Here we go, last one. Okay, goody. Good. By the way, I avoided that question, what I'd yeah. wish for. Yeah. Uh, it's too serious, that. Oh, pick another one. Too serious. What is it? How would you like to be remembered? Oh, in a song. Do you have any hidden talents outside music? Oh, go on. Admin. admin. Rock admin. Rock admin. <laughs> is my, yeah. I don't have any hidden talents. You um, do. Come on. You've no, got I don't. Modes. Honestly, not one. What about the painting? Well, they can't be hidden. He's done enough. He's done a radio show. But You've no, been no. in a musical. I've <laughs> been on a talent Honestly, show. If I was good at anything, you've seen it. I'm not going to hide it. <laughs> 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 Look, there's nothing left. I'll have to start practicing. I'm excellent at darts. What are you good at, say? I don't know. I'm thinking. Quite like gardening nowadays, you know. Is, is it a talent, though? No, it's not. Yeah. All right then. No. <laughs> okay. On that note, thank you very that's much. That's why I'm in Kaiser Chiefs. I'm not good at anything else. <laughs> that's it. That's why we. That's why we had to keep going. There was nothing else. <laughs> Absolutely nothing else we could do, and it was terrifying. It was like a void. We made a good choice, though. Of the one thing you could do, you've you've made a roaring success of it, haven't you? Yeah, and we'll keep going until we're uh, making a roaring success of it. Yeah. Just rephrasing that <laughs> sentence. Also, people. <laughs> Is that no. what I said? <laughs> no one's stopping us, which is ludicrous. <laughs> Just keep letting us do it, which is fantastic. Has anyone ever tried to stop you? Nick? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, uh, that was a joke. No, no, no. I mean, it's weird nowadays because you no can... Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't, he didn't want us to carry on. But it all, it's all fuel for the fire, isn't it, really? Yeah. Ricky, Simon, thank you very much for joining us. And thank you to you, the listeners. 
Not singular. Yeah, uh, for tuning in to Q Presents The Making Of, thank you to producer Sue. And uh, please remember to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast fix. This has been another episode of Q Presents The Making Of. Cheers, guys. Nice one. Thank you. I like those questions. Bravo. Cool. Thank you. That was very well done at the end. Let's get about six. Absolute pros. <laughs> I, li- I liked the cue with your um, vape. You were cueing him with the vape. Oh, right, did I? Yeah. Like a conductor. Cond- conducting, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got to have a gimmick. Lovely. Thank you very much indeed. Lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you. Have <laughs> a good afternoon. Bye then. Bye bye. Hello, this is... Oh, I'll just say hello. Hello there. And you say, I'm Simon from the Kaiser Chiefs. Hello there. Hello, I'm Simon. <laughs> well, you say hello first. Hello, this is Simon from the Kaiser Chiefs. And I'm Ricky from the Kaiser Chiefs. And you'll be listening to, what was it called again? Q. What again? Presents. Yeah. The remember. making of. Q presents the making of. Easy as that. Tune in. Cop out. Hi, I'm Ricky. Hello, I'm Simon. And we are in the Kaiser Chiefs. And you will be listening to Q Presents the Making Of.